uh, we're in a, quite a journey here that's been torturous for me internally. Um, and a blessing. This whole uh, living in the tension of uh, the spiritual, the cultural, the political, family, relational climates that we have every day have their own conflict and tensions. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> How many feel those tensions? How many wish they had the answer, the medicine, or whatever to navigate those tensions to perfection? Anybody? Yeah. Good luck. But we do. And we're in Romans, and Romans really pokes the bear. It's a vehicle in which we are using um, as a framework to learn and practice how to navigate the tensions with Jesus. And so we're still in verse 1, and we've been in this over a month now. And I don't know how long this is going to take, that being the series. And uh, we really don't care. Because navigating the tension with Jesus of this world and, and how he can be glorified through us and how we respond is always relevant. Always. You cannot put an end date on that. We are going to be struggling with that till our last breath. That's just the reality. So just to give you a brief recap, Paul starts his letter out, Paul, a slave to Christ. That was day one. Paul identifies how he identifies himself. And that is as one who is at the feet of Jesus under his lordship. See, sometimes we can look at slave and think it means, means, I have no choice. Jesus is a slave driver and I have no choice. But the word slave there actually means one without choice that has choice. (laughs) And really how that's defined is that Paul has chosen to surrender because it's the greatest choice you can make, and now he's got no choice because it's the only choice to him. I don't know how that works. It just kind of does. And then we went into uh, the word called an apostle, and, and Mark did a fabulous job because you can look at those words, and they all mean something different to us. And really, what you see in the Greek is one who is invited to be a messenger. Now, When you hear apostle, you go, whoo, the big kahunas. You can think that. Totally can. Guilty. Anybody else? (laughs) Right? But really, simplistically, it means messenger. Anyone that carries the name of Jesus in their heart and walks with them is a messenger. We all communicate it a little differently. And some of us walk, walk in our functions and our giftings more strongly than others and this and that. And there's a place for all of those things. But ultimately, we are all invited to be messengers. Then last week, we talked about how Paul says, I am set apart for. When you hear that word for, you can think purpose. It's actually into, which, which distinguishes it between purpose and function. I, out of my purpose to be loved by God, to be at the feet of Jesus, I was set apart to function in this way. And what we're going to talk about today is what he was invited to step into. And this one... Uh, Again, in the spirit of full disclosure, I was not looking forward to because one of the number one enemies for a preacher or a pastor is well-intentioned as we can be to say, Lord, what do you want to say? It's hard not to think about what do the people want and what do they want to hear? And I hate to say, sorry, I'm going to say this. That's really irrelevant because it's what God wants you to hear. 
and what he wants to say. So I did have that struggle because what we're going to hear today is this. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and sent apart for the gospel of God. That word gospel is heavy. Now, let's just get right to it. It means good news, and good news is always good. But here's the deal. Who's had a friend, a relative, a spouse, or someone come into the room where you are and go, Mark, I've got great news. Who's, who's experienced that encounter? <laughs> and then you go, you kind of get excited for them. Tell me what it is. And they tell you, and you're like, oh, that was lame. Anybody? Come on now, be honest. You're like, okay, that's good news for you. Oh, cool. <laughs> that person needs to get out more if that's good. You know, we make those little judgments. Man, I've been there. It is the same thing that we can do with the good news of God. I think it starts at an encounter. Many of us can remember that moment, that time, that place, that Brendan Manning would say, you got ambushed by Jesus. Who can remember that? And you go, whoa, and you, you go, you revisit that memory, and you look at the spiritual climate, and you go, oh, you feel all tingly. You feel like you got purpose. You're ready to go. And then 10 years down the road, you go, man, I wish I could feel like I did back then. Has anyone dealt with that other than me? See, and we're going to see here in a minute, because I can go through all the intellectual stuff, and I'll go through some of it, but I can go through, well, what's the gospel according to Jesus, according to John, according to Paul? And you can have all these different ideas that are all part of the same coin, two sides of the same coin. They're all part of it. But really, what does Jesus want to say to us now? Remember, he is the master of simplicity. And we see this because we can see uh, the story in Scripture that is going to confirm everything we say today is Mary and Martha. Because Martha wants to honor Jesus by doing all this stuff and preparing all of this stuff. Amen? And what does Mary do? Sitting at the, his feet. Another phrase for that is that she's with him. And what does he say? She chose what's best. Okay? Remember that. Being where he is is what's best. We got a window into the good news. Now, just doing a little history check here, you look at Jesus and he says in Luke 4, after being at Simon's house and, and healing people of demon possession, the demons say, oh, that's the son, you're the son of God, and he shuts them up. It's not time for that revelation in that way because Jesus has his own way to unveil that. Amen? And then he says this, as more rumblings and conversations are happening, I must preach the good news. The good news of the kingdom of God. Now, we could spend eternity talking about the kingdom of God. But simply, it means the reign of God. And we see that established concretely in the cross and the resurrection. Okay? And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have... We're living in his kingdom because we're living in his reign and his rule over our life. So that's part of the gospel. That's what Jesus was laying out. And then Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. I pass on to what? I pass on to you 
what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. And he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at a wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out a special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who is working through me and by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach For we all preach the same message you have already believed. Now, it is clear to Paul, the forgiveness of sins, which gives us access to be at the feet of Jesus, is the gospel, is the good news. But let's notice something. What do we do with this? Because he says, for we all preach the same message you had already believed. So it doesn't matter who you hear it from. Is that true in our culture today? Is every pastor preaching the same good news, the same gospel message, We hope so. It may have started that way, but let's be honest, it kind of changes. Because we don't only we do it on purpose, but we start adding ourselves to that good news. And then we start taking the bait of what we think might be important. Then you got this rhythm. And then you look back and you go, This is not what I encountered before. Many of us raised our hands because it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I want to feel this again. You can. See, Martha had an encounter with Jesus. But then she went back to what she knows, thinking that's how you honor him. But how you honor him is with your presence, which is why he died for you to begin with. So that sin and death is no longer an excuse. He took that from us so that we could have life. So that we could do what's best. And he says it simply like this. Mary does this. That feels good, by the way. Now, if Mark were to go right now, leave leave right now, and start preparing up a meal, all of that stuff, and I'm sitting here, what looks more comfortable? What gets me to a place of stillness? What posture? What posture allows me to hear and see and receive? What posture allows me to be? What is it? Sitting still. Being at the feet of Jesus. See, we can fancy up the good news and call it all these different things, but every action Jesus took was to get us in that posture to be where he is. There are people, there are people who have been in church their whole life that have missed Jesus. And unfortunately may not spend eternity with him because they don't want to know Jesus. 
Does that grieve you? Because sometimes we can make the gospel, the good news, what it's not. John does a beautiful job, and I want you to receive this, okay? Because this is, this is pretty sweet. It's one thing to believe, okay? It's one thing to believe. The demons believed in Jesus, right? They said, oh, that's the Son of Man. They identified him. They knew who he was. It's another to live what you believe. And when we hear in Scripture, believe the good news, believe the gospel, it is not with mind only. It has to be manifested in the decision-making and the proximity we put ourselves to Jesus. And John confirms that for us. Many of us know this, but this is powerful. And so powerful, we put in every Sunday school class known to man, and when you, something is repeated over and over, sometimes it can lose its zip and its flavor, but I want you to posture yourself to receive the zip and the truth that this passage has. John 3, 16. You're like, oh, I know that one. Yep, let's know it anew and fresh this morning. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. This is key. But whoever lives by the truth, whoever lives out what they believe, which is truth, comes into the light. So that it may be seen complex, complexly. Is that what you see there? Plainly, simply, easy to understand and to see that they that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So you see the simplicity. You see that it's not just so much believing here because you can have a lot of people that believe in Jesus but do not know him, do not live with him. I can go, Mark loves me. I know that, but why do I know that? Because he's shown me that. How do I know my wife, Shanna, loves me? Because I have participated in what that relationship is. I know, but if I just go from afar and say, yeah, I know she loves me, I'm not living into anything. I'm believing something, but I'm not living into it. I'm not allowing the love she has for me to be shown in my life because I have no connection to her outside the knowledge of. See, it's more than just the knowledge of. Martha knew who Jesus was, but she didn't sit at his feet. That's why he said, look, Mary is sitting at, she don't want to miss a moment with me. Look, if you don't like being with Jesus, you're going to hate heaven. I'm telling you, that's the truth. If you don't love Jesus now, right now, and want to be with him, you're going to have a hard time being in heaven. Because guess what? It's 24-7 with him. And all his glory, and all his splendor, and all his love, and all his tenderness, 
All of that. He died and raised again and experienced, and I've said this before, but I want you to hear it fresh. He experienced separation from God for the first time in eternity so that you would not have to. Our minds cannot fathom that. I still hold to this day that the greatest suffering Jesus experienced on this earth was in the garden because he knew he had, and, and anticipate that he would have to experience complete separation from the one he loves and the one he's never been a part of, ever. And we go, wow, he suffered a lot on the cross. Oh, he did. But the representation of the cross, he took complete separation from God off the table for you and I so that we could always be like Mary and be at his feet. Because Jesus always wants to be with his father and to know that he had to pay that price, grieved him to the point he said, Lord, please, if it's, if it's your will, let this cup pass me by. It's not so much about the physical pain. Sure, that's terrible, but there's nothing more terrible than being without the one and being separated from your father. If I know that everyone in this place loves me and is with me, I can die a painful death and know I'm not alone. But Jesus goes, why have you forsaken me? Because he knows what he had to endure so we wouldn't have to. That's good news. That's the good news. We are to live out of that news of being with him. See, we make it about, uh, I'm going to be the correction police because uh, what they're doing doesn't uh, meet with the gospel I know. I'm, man, I'm going to condemn because they're not doing this. They're not doing that. Well, look at the finger. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing either. Let's, be, let's, let's let Jesus be the judge and we be the ones that are at his feet. I'm tired of trying to prepare a table based off what I think Jesus wants. I want to be at his feet and hear what he wants. That's good news. Now, I, I'm going to share a story with you. I, I'm going to be as honest as I can with you. I, I try to be as vulnerable as I can, and it stinks. It really does. Uh, nothing to do with you. Everything to do with me. Okay. Giving people access to the nooks and cranny, crannies of your heart is not fun. When you see what Jesus does with it, it gives you joy. And then you go, okay, whew, that was worth it. But it, the process isn't fun. Who's been through the process of vulnerability? And you're going, oh, yeah, let's do that again. <laughs> okay? And I understand my call, my invitation here. I understand that I have to give people access to myself. But I remember I always saying, I just want one thing that's mine and no one else's. Has anyone ever wanted that or said that? I just want one thing. Just one thing that I don't have to share. <sighs> Problem one right there. I'm going to deny myself everything and pick up my cross. So God has to have access to everything. I don't have the right to say, I just want one thing that's mine. So, I was asked the question in November, Brendan, 
Like, it's probably one, Mark, you know, you ask these questions that are so deep, you just go, Psh, I don't get paid enough to think about those things. Um, and you just kind of, he goes, what gives you joy? What gives you life? Or what's your pathway? Or how, Say it how you would say it, Yoda. <laughs> I mean, he, he just says it so beautifully. But where are the places I'm stepping into outside of this place that are my meeting place with the Lord? That... Give me life. Well, I know scripture does. That's a meeting place. All this. But, you know, I came up with some wonky answer. You know, well, you know, this, the cinemas and whatever. But that doesn't give me life. That gives, that entertains me. But it doesn't give me life. So I say, Lord, I, 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 what is it for me? I'd love to know. So in December, through a series of events, the Lord revealed to me what he wanted me to step into. And it may not be a big deal to you, and that's fine. But remember... It was what was mine. It's mine. Like a three-year-old little bratty kid. It's mine. You'll hear more about a three-year-old in just a second. And uh, God led me to a canvas, and I started painting with oils. And it was a meeting place. It was just me and the Lord. There's no expectation. No one needed to know about it. Didn't want anyone to know about it. And then he led me to the medium of finger painting. So I'm wearing these gloves so I don't dive toxins, you know, kind of thing. But he said, I don't want anything between you and me. I'm like, oh, okay, you're dropping some knowledge on me now. Just, just you and me. It was a metaphor. Just you and me. So I started doing this. And I, I would enter it in intercession. And I would start praying and painting and uh, feeling God's presence. And then one painting came after the other after the other. And I, it was just I was salivating for more of that because it was such a sweet place that I didn't have to tell anybody about, that I didn't have to share. It could be just mine. Can anyone relate to that? <laughs> this is mine. So one day I thought, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and paint a lion. <laughs> this would be great. be wonderful. So I prayed. Did all the things I've done before. And I start to sketch it out. I'm like, ooh, that's a good sketch. And I start doing all this stuff. I'm like, this looks stupid. Seriously. And nothing I'm going to show you here is exaggerated. My wife is here. She'll tell me if I exaggerate this story. But she's a part of this story. So let me tell you. You can ask her for confirmation. <laughs> okay. And I looked at that. Because I, I, th- I started thinking, ooh, I hope people like this. Ooh. Ooh, I hope it turns like this. Oh, I hope it looks like that. Oh, oh, you know, you're just going through all these ooh moments of what it could be. And when I looked at it, it was the dumbest piece of junk I had ever seen. It looked so wonky. It looked like something out of, Do- you know, the island of Dr. Moreau. Some kind of hybrid human lion penguin thing. And you don't know what's going on. And I was so annoyed. And I went to bed. Just ticked off. And I thought, I'll wake up early and I will fix it. It will happen. And I go downstairs. Santa's in the kitchen preparing breakfast for the kids. And I'm there. And then I just made it even worse. And I'm so mad. I, I, I don't remember many times like this in, in adulthood, but I literally threw a tantrum. I said, this is dumb. And I had a meeting 
that I had to go to and I couldn't be late for and I didn't want to go and I became resentful of that person who I love very much, but they were just the next person I was going to see after my tantrum. I said, I don't want to see that person. I don't want to go to work. Work is stupid. I was saying these things and I'm doing this. And Shanna's just going, oh my, <laughs> just looking. She's not saying anything yet. What, am, what can she do right now to, to derail this tantrum? And then I'm like, I'm going, I'm leaving, bye. And I start walking to the door and she goes, sweetie, will you please come back? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> Did I say it that way? Yes. She's nodding her head. Yes. I don't want to. So I march back in there because I feel shame and guilt right away. I mean, those are good motivators, by the way. And so thank God there's on video. So they saw the head shake and that's not true. So I go back in, I give her a kiss on the, you know, I give her a kiss on, bye, I love you. And then I go, and I'm yelling in the car, and I'm so mad, and all this happened, and you know what? God is so good, because he puts people in your way. And I had encounter after encounter that ticked me off even more. But then I, I began to feel the healing happen, and settling down. And I was terrified to come home and look at what the enemy had hijacked. And so I walk in, and that stupid thing was sitting on my counter. And I looked at it. Maybe I'll cover the face up with a bush. Maybe, I'll, <laughs> maybe I, I like this part of it. Maybe I'll just show the ear. Maybe, you know, so you can say maybe it's a lion peeking out of the brush. And I heard the Lord say, let's sit down, look at this again, and let me lead you. And I, oh, gosh. Yeah, rolling my eyes. Yeah, you got to be you right now. Great. So I sat before this thing. I had such trouble looking at it. So then I, I realized my hypocrisy had to end, and I said, Lord, what do you want to say? And I just, I remember taking a, a tube of paint, and he said, just scrape it off, and we'll do this together. So I scraped the face up, and then it began to look like a lion. And it was one of the most peaceful experiences I've ever had. There was no expectation. There was no rush. There was nothing. Nothing. It was just me and him. And I went, oh, this is what it felt like the first time. See, when we take the good news and we have that encounter with Jesus, we can add stuff. And all of a sudden, it looks really wonky. It doesn't make sense. And then people look at it and go, well, I can kind of see something in you but I'm not sure that you look a little wonky. It's because we try to take control of what is God's and make it ours. He's already given himself to you. There's nothing to add. There's nothing you can improve on. You don't touch it. You don't get to critique it. It's his. You are his. You don't like who you are? Well, ask him to start allowing yourself to see him through your eyes and not your own. And then you'll see something different. You are not allowed to critique yourself. You are not allowed to judge yourself. Because he has taken that off the table. He says, be at my feet and you will see something different. The way it was supposed to be. I'm going to clean that off and transform you with ever-increasing glory. Let me do it. And you feel peace for the first time. You feel stillness. You're going to feel this. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to meddle with it. I don't have to try to fix it or change it. There's nothing to do but be. In the world, the church, all these people are going to say, you got to do more. You got to... 
you got to believe this more. you got to do this. If you're not at the feet of Jesus, you are in deep trouble. And all of those things are not going to help you. None of them will. Everything good that happens in the world comes from being at the feet of Jesus. Everything. Think about why you were transformed. Because you had an encounter with the living Lord and you were at his feet. At least for a moment. And then we start to stand up and go, okay, how can I make this better? What do I need to do? How can I? And I don't think we try to do it on purpose. I think it's just our meddling ability. <laughs> but we, that's why we need the church to remind us. That, ooh, we're walking a little too far from here. It's a gentle nudge, not a correction. It's a gentle nudge. Say, we got to be here because if we're not here, we're going to miss the good news the way it was meant to be. See, Paul can give us all these instructions, but remember, he sets it up. It comes from him. I'm a slave. I am underneath the reign, the lordship of Jesus Christ. I know who I am. I've done terrible things, but I don't live in that person. I live in the glory of God. I live in the love of God. And that is simple. It's not complex. And people will see that plainly. Amen? What are the wonky lines in your life that God wants to help you re-engage? Because we really can mess things up. And that's not to make us feel bad. I, I mean, I do it all the time. But I think God, he doesn't look at me that way. Because if it were me, I'd never get in. <laughs> I just wouldn't. But he's taken death off the table and put life with him at his feet is the only decision we can make again it was interesting Tom Brady was interviewed and said and everyone know who Tom Brady is and this is before he won his fifth one and this is what I heard this is what I heard so if it's wrong, it's still a good story. And he was interviewed, and he's married to a super model. He's got two beautiful kids. He's on one of the greatest dynasties ever and arguably the greatest quarterback. Now, not so arguably, greatest quarterback that ever lived. And so this reporter's going through all his accolades, all his, all his stuff. And when you look at someone like Tom Brady, you're going, they were born for this, right? They were born to throw a football. They were born to blah, 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 As that, if that's his purpose. And they said, so what, how's your life? What do you think about? I mean, you got all these things. What's your response to all these things? And you know what he said? I often wonder if there's anything more. <sighs> he could have every human purpose you can come up with and is the best at all of them. <laughs> and he's still going, there must be more. See, when you're at the feet of Jesus, you never have to ask that question. That's the good news. You have life with him, period, which breathes life into everything you do because you're doing that with him. We're going to take communion right now, and I'm going to have the ushers get that ready and ask the worship team to come up, and I'll probably talk through their song and <laughs> irritate them that way. Just letting you know, Evan. He's like, great. And they're going to they're gonna pass out the elements. 
And then we're going to take it together. And we're just going to spend a few minutes in silence as they do that. And I know that's hard for some. It's hard for me. And I'll probably say thank you, Jesus, in the middle to break the ice. But I want you to say, Lord, what do you want to say in this moment to me? Because one that puts you in his lordship, you're his, puts you at his feet. Whether you feel that way or not, you're asking him what he wants for you. And then we're going to take together. And I, I'm going to have, we're going to have uh, our intercessors around. And people, you know, the great thing about prayer is you can pray anywhere with anyone for anything. And so what I want to do, you know, there might be some in here that have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Or believed in Jesus a long time, but haven't sat at his feet. And if that's you, I want to invite you to do that. And we've got people that will pray for you, pray with you. And without sounding like a big crusade here or anything like that, because I, I don't want that to be misconstrued, if you don't know Jesus, you know of him, or you believe in him, but you've never walked with him, and you want to receive that relationship, we want to pray with you. If you want to wait till after church, after church. I don't care. But let's have the conversation. Let's pray with each other. And let's walk in a relationship that no one can take from you. Do you understand that? No one can take it from you. Everything that you put value in, that you do, relationships, this and that, can be robbed from you in a second. But no one can rob you of the love of God. Nobody. And we take communion to remember that. To remember the one that has given us access to him, to be at his feet, and has given us purpose. So, Lord, what do you want to say? Ask him. stand, but we're going to sit. We're going to sit at his feet right now. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. 
so that you can be with him always. Take and eat. This is the blood of Christ shed for you again so that you can be with him always, never apart. Take and drink in Jesus' name. Lord, we are so grateful for you. And no matter our conditions or our circumstances, we thank you for who you are. We ask that you would bless us in spirit and truth in this moment as we continue to worship you, as we continue to quest to be where you are, to stay where you are. And if there are those of us that have never walked with you, that you are calling into relationship, give them the courage to say yes, Jesus. Yes. And if there are those of us who feel our faith has been dormant, numb, breathe life in Jesus' name into our dry bones. Breathe life. sit at your feet now, Jesus. We thank you. In your name, amen. I invite you to stand with us in our worship.
So oh.